says. Amen. 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 So John chapter 16, beginning in verse number 32, uh, Jesus is giving some final instructions to the believers. And what he says, it's quite remarkable, beginning in verse number 32, he says, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Now, he's talking about how he's about to go to the cross. And as Jesus goes to the cross, every single person Every single person turned away. Even Peter, who said, I'll never deny you, denied him three times. But Jesus taught us an important truth in this passage. He said, even though everybody else is going to turn against me, God is with me. Amen. He and the Father were one. Amen. And we have that same promise as New Testament believers that no matter what circumstance we may be facing, no matter what hardship we may be called to endure, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is with us. Amen? Because God never leaves us and he never forsakes us. Even when we're on the mountain and even when we're down in the valley, our God never changes he is with us when we wake up, and he's with us when we lie down, and every step in between. Amen? But how many of you have ever felt like, where are you, God? Amen? If we're all honest, we've all gone through times in our lives when we feel like God is far from us. But the reality of the matter is, God has never left you. When we feel like God has left us, that is the sweet and vicious nudge from Satan to tell you that you're all alone. But God's promise is constant. God has never left his children. Amen? And we might say, well, where was God when I lost my job? Where was God when I fell down on my face? Where was God when I got sick? God was with you. God was with you. God went down in the trenches with you. God didn't forsake you. He never left your side. You're only here today because God got you through that. Amen? Each person in here, you, you can, each one of us give a testimony about things that we've endured that but for the grace of God, we wouldn't be here today. And we can only say that because God didn't turn his back on us. Because God guided us through the night. Can I get a witness? God guided us through the night. And I want to I tell you something this morning. That if God guided you through the night yesterday, if the lights go out tonight, God will be there and God will guide you till the morning. Amen. That's why the promise says that the joy will come in the morning. Though weeping and sorrow for the night, joy cometh in the morning. Amen. Joy comes in the morning because God's there when we wake up. His mercies are new every day. Amen. But many people do not receive his mercy every day. Many of us, we turn aside from God. We're too busy for God. We're, we've got too big of plans for God. We've, we try to handle things on our own. And every single morning we wake up, God has fresh mercy available for each one of us. It's not God's fault if we don't take time to pray and to worship him. It's not God's fault if we're ignorant of the word of God. We've got the word of God on tablets, iPhones, computers, books, magazines. We got the Bible everywhere. It's not God's fault if his people are ignorant of his word. Amen? And so a lot of times we will neglect pressing into God, but God is always available for each one of us. Amen? And one of the main tactics that the devil will try to use against you is to make you feel like, where was God now, right? Where is God at now? Where is your God at? Well, God's with me. I wouldn't be able to stand if God wasn't with me. Amen? Even though circumstances 
may not go the way I want them to go. Amen? Listen to this. This life is fleeting. This life is a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. Amen? We've all got more gray hairs than we did yesterday. Amen? It's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. But one thing we know for sure, that when we get to the other side of this life, God's there. And God will guide us across the Jordan River. Amen? But in between, in between this day and the day we go to glory, don't ever confuse the two. You're not in glory today. You're not in glory today. You're, you live in a fallen world. You live in a fallen world where people get sick. You live in a fallen world where people stump their toes. You live in a fallen world where there's sorrow and departing. But praise be to God. We're going to a land where there are no tears, where there is no sorrow, and there's no parting over there. Hallelujah. Amen. But until we get there, we're going to have those times. And in those times, in the hard times, in the times when we don't understand, God is with us. Amen. Amen. Now look at this in, in, in verse number 32. Jesus said that even though every man went to his own and shall leave him alone, yet I'm not alone. How many of us have ever felt alone? Amen. But the promise is that we're not alone. God will never leave us nor forsake us. And even so sometimes we need to come to this realization that despite how we feel, God's word says otherwise. And sometimes we've got to weigh the two and say, should I be moved by my feeling or should I be moved by what the word of God says? We all make those decisions. And I'm getting to a point here, but this is very important. This, this will tell you how things are going to go for you, whether you allow your feelings to dictate how you operate or the word of God. You know, we're either operating in one of the two. We're either operating by faith or by doubt. Amen? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, that sounds fancy and it sounds neat, but think about it in reality. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That means if you're going to please God today, you're going to have to operate in a way where you're believing what you can't see. Where you're trusting what you cannot feel with your feelings. You're going to have to operate in a way of faith, defiant faith. Defiant faith looks in the face of the world and says, I don't care what I see with my eyes or feel in my belly, God's word says otherwise. God's word says otherwise. Amen? The truth of God's word is what makes us free as people. Jesus said the truth makes us free. And so here in this passage, you know, Jesus said, you know, you're going to leave me, but I'm not going to be alone. I'm not going to be alone. God's with me. God is with me. Look at verse number 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now let's look at this for just a second. He said, these things I've spoken, the reason that Jesus spoke these things in, in chapters 14, 15, here in 16, he said, the reason that I have spoken these things is so that in me you might have peace. You understand that there is no peace outside of Jesus. You understand that there that you may you you may make yourself pass out with drugs or alcohol or TV or other people or any, this that or the other. You may make yourself pass out that way, but there is no peace that way. 
Jesus said, these things I spoke to you so that in me you might have peace. You know that people look for peace in everything under the sun except for the one person who can bring peace? People look for peace. I just need to calm my nerves. I just need to relax a little. I just need this. And I, well, what you really need is Jesus. What you really need is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You need to stop being the Lord of your own life and you need to surrender to his lordship. Amen. That's what we need to do. And so Jesus said, I spoke these things so that in me you might have peace. Realize that most people will try to find peace in everything else except for Jesus. But Jesus is the only source of true peace. The peace that Jesus brings is a peace that is different than the world. The world's peace is just where, you know, you, you, you have a little bit of tranquility, where everything is as you want it to be. Well, newsflash, it's never going to be like that. It's never going to be as you want it to be because every morning you wake up, you're still in a fallen world and things are still going to fall apart. You're going to fall apart. They're going to fall apart. We're going to fall apart. But God's peace is different than the world's peace. God's peace, and it only comes through Jesus. It's just like he said in John 14. He said he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by him. There is no way for any person to ever go to heaven except through Jesus Christ. And peace is the same way. Peace is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? So he says that in this world you'll have tribulation. Now that doesn't sound like fun, does it? Now he's telling this to the disciples because as many of you know that the disciples soon after the crucifixion and after the resurrection, the disciples became the hunted. They became the hunted. They were hunted down like animals. They were thrown into the Colosseum, fed to the lions, fed to the bears. They were set on fire. Um, one of the Roman emperors, he uh, used Christians as street lights. He would dip them in oil and put them on poles and set them on fire. He, the, the Christian believer has been the, the object of hatred from the world from that day on. Amen? Amen? So he said, in this world you'll have tribulation. Now, how many of you know that it, you know, if you're a Christian, you should be going against the current of the world? If you're not going against the current of the world, it could be that you're not letting the light of God shine through you. If you're not going against the current of the world, it could be that you're going in the wrong direction. Amen? The, the, you know, going in the, in the direction that the world's going is not God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life is to be a light in a dark world. God's plan for your life is that you would find who he is and you would take that message of who he is out into the community, into the highways and the byways. God never planned for people to sit in rocking chairs and rock themselves to sleep till they go home to be with the Lord. God's plan is that you would be a light to other people. It could be your family member. It could be your neighbor. It could be your coworker. It could be somebody you don't even know on the street. But God's plan for you is to use you so that he would have a witness on the earth today. Amen? A witness on the earth today. So God's plan and our plan are often different. And the way you can tell whether you're on God's plan is if you're going against stream. If you're experiencing tribulation. I know that this goes against everything that we're taught because we think that we should live a turbulent free life. We think that if we're experiencing turbulence, we're doing something wrong. Actually, if you're experiencing Tribulation and turbulence, you're doing something right. Amen. 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 If you're not experiencing attack from the enemy, it could be that you're going in the wrong direction. Come on now. So he said, in this life, you're going to experience tribulation. In this life, you shall have tribulation. When was the last time? When was the last time we experienced tribulation and we counted it joy? Amen. It's not very much fun to experience tribulation, but at least we know we're going in the right direction. Amen? 
Because, you know, when you begin to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ, people are going to tell you, you don't have to be that excited. You don't have to be that on fire. You can tone it down a little bit and coexist with everybody else. The message of the world is that Christians should tone it down a little bit. Stop being so over-the-top exclusive about God. But you know what? We're only repeating what God's Word says. God's Word is what says that, he, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by Him. So it's not that we're being exclusive. God is exclusive. God says, nobody can come to me. God is that holy. God said, nobody can come to me unless they come through my son, Jesus Christ. Amen? God is that holy, and God is that exclusive. Everybody says, well, you know, Christians, they're so exclusive. They so, you know, they believe this, that, and the other. God is the one that's exclusive because God is holy. His holiness far exceeds our idea of holiness. You will never comprehend the holiness of God. Try as you may, study as you may, you still will fall short of understanding his glory and his holiness. He is that beautiful, he is that wonderful, and he is that holy. We will never, with an earthly mind, be ever able to comprehend the vast beauty of our God. He is so holy, we can't get to him, but Jesus came to us. Amen? That's why the Bible says that he is the mediator. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's the man who bridged the gap. This is God that became a man. That's the only way we can have access to the Father. Amen? So in this world, you'll have tribulation. And everybody says, well, that doesn't sound great. But in a fallen world, we, there will always be hardships. Somebody will always lose a job. Somebody will always lose a family member. Somebody will always lose out on this, that, or the other. In a fallen world, there is always hardship. Amen? And last on this part, the world hates the message of Jesus. The world hates the message of the cross. So number one, you're going to experience tribulation because you're going in the wrong direction. You should be going in the wrong direction anyways. You shouldn't be a double agent Christian. People on your job, people are, that live next to you, they should know that you're a Christian. It shouldn't shock them to know that you're a Christian. If it shocks somebody to know that you're a Christian, you've been playing James Bond and 007. You've been, you've been being Christian during church, but putting on the disguise when you go back out in the world, or vice versa, or vice versa. But we should be the same, whether we're inside of a church building shouting glory, glory, glory to the Lamb. We should be the same whether we're in a church building or we're, whether we're out in the world, whether we're cutting our grass or chatting with a neighbor or talking with somebody at Walmart. We shouldn't be different people. Amen. Amen. If we're going upstream, let's go upstream. And so that's why it says in this world, you're going to have tribulation because you're going in the opposite direction the world's going in. If you ever get around people and you talk to them, you'll find out very quick. Amen? Oh, everything's going bad. You, did you see who got elected to this? Did you see what law they passed? Did you see this? Did you see that? You know what? Last time I checked, God's still on the throne. Amen. God was on the throne before America, and God will be on the throne after America. God was on the throne before I came to this earth, and God will be on the throne after I leave this earth. Amen? God reigns. God reigns. And we can rest in the fact that God reigns. This world is not our home. Why do we allow it to work us up so much? Amen? It's because we begin to go the same direction the world goes. We begin going downstream. And if you're going downstream, you're going to worry like the world worries. You're going to fear what the world fears, amen, and you're going to act like the world. But God's called us to go a different direction. So going upstream brings tribulation. But the, the, the other thing is that the message, just simply the message that we preach, the message that we preach 
the world hates. As long as you preach Jesus, the world will hate you. The world will hate you as long as you claim the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who said that the way is narrow and straight. Few there be that find it. Wide is the path to destruction. Many go on that path. Amen? And so as long as this is the case, as long as you're preaching the right message, the world will come against you. Amen? The world will come against you if you're preaching the right message. It's because it came against Jesus. It, it, the world came against Jesus. So it should be coming against us. But too many times, too many times we tone it down. We tone it down. One of the greatest... Uh, tragedies in our day and in our time is, is where everybody has this, uh, you know, well, you believe it's called postmodern. You have your truth, I have my truth. It's one of the greatest tragedies going around. There's only one truth. There's only one truth, and it's what God has said. Amen. If God didn't say it, it's not true. Amen. If God didn't say it, it's not true. There is no other way to God. You can't Buddha your way to God. You can't Islam your way to God. You can't want your way to God or will your way to God or give your way to God or love your way to God. That's why the Bible says you could give away all your possessions to all the poor. You could burn your body for them. But if you don't have God, it's, it's no value. It's of no value. You, can't do, you cannot get to God any other way but by Jesus Christ. Amen? So... Um, let me show you something over in, in Isaiah chapter number 26. Isaiah chapter 26. As you're turning there, I just want to finish up this thought as you're turning. But you know, it, it is in Jesus that we can overcome the tribulation. In Jesus, we can overcome the tribulation. In the world, we're always going to experience it. But in Jesus, we can overcome it. In Jesus, we can overcome it. So the world is going to bring us tribulation because we're going against stream. It's gonna, it's gonna bring us tribulation because it's a fallen place. And it's also gonna bring us tribulation because the message that we hold to, they hate, they hate. It's not you, it's the message. It's the message. The message of the cross is exclusive. The message of the cross is that there is no other way. Amen? And so this, what, what you see is that a lot of times people get themselves worked up by their circumstances. Our circumstances is what brings us tribulation. Circumstances could be the loss of a family member, loss of a job, could simply be, you know, just having a bad day. Circumstances change daily. Sometimes circumstances change hourly. Sometimes we think we're having a good day and then the bottom falls out. And then two hours after that, we figure out, oh, it really wasn't that bad, and everything changes again. Then when we get home that night, the bottom falls out for real. Sometimes our days go up and down, up and down, up and down. That's called circumstances, okay? That's called circumstances. Circumstances change, but God remains the same. And if we'll hold on to God's unchanging hand, whether we're on the mountaintop or down in the valley, God will be there with us. Isn't that awesome? That when things are going good, God's there, and when things are going bad, God's still there. That's why the Bible said he's, he's God of the mountain and he's God of the valley. One of, one of Israel's enemies, they thought that God was only the God of the mountain, and so they decided to attack Israel when they were down in the valley. And guess what? They found out God was with them even in the valley. Amen? Amen? God was with them even in the valley. Now, what an amazing thought about that. Even when we're down in the valley and our soul is cast down. Have you ever been like that? Ever felt like your soul is just cast down? I know I'm a victor in Jesus, but you know what? The bottom fell out of my life. My soul has been cast down. That's okay. That's, that's normal. But what we need to realize is even when we're in those valleys, God is there with us. God hasn't turned his back on us. God is still watching over you. Amen? 
if not one sparrow falls to the earth without God knowing about it, doesn't he know when your soul falls? Doesn't he know when your soul begins to get cast down? If, if one sparrow falls to the earth, God's not, like I said, God's not taking a nap. He's not growing older. He's not yawning ever. And if every single sparrow that falls, God knows about it, he didn't shed his blood for the sparrow. He shed his blood for your soul. And if he knows when the sparrow falls, tell me he don't know when your soul gets cast down. Tell me he don't know when you're having a bad day. Tell me he don't know when you're experiencing no peace. Tell me he doesn't know when you feel like your world is turned upside down. Tell me. You see, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And in this truth right here in Isaiah 26, it says in verse number three, thou is speaking of God. Always remember, thou is singular. Thou is God here. Thou will keep him. Everybody say me. me. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. See, this passage here says that a mind that is stayed on God will be kept in perfect peace despite the circumstances we may be experiencing, God's promise is despite the circumstance, he will keep us in perfect peace if we will keep our mind fixed on him. A lot of times when the bottom's falling out, our mind starts going on, I should have done this, I should have done that. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't we go this way? We should have gone that way. We should have done this and we should have done that. Our mind goes 99 different directions when the bottom falls out. But one thing is needful. It is to reject all of that. Stop trying to figure it out and get your mind on God. This word stayed on God, it means you never leave. You never allow your mind to move off of it. Every time our mind starts to leave the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we reject it. Amen? Every time we start trying to blame somebody else for why the bottom fell out, we reject that thought. Every time our mind starts going off about we're fearing about how we're not going to have food and water tomorrow. We're not going to have a home tomorrow. We're not going to have this tomorrow. We're not going to have that tomorrow. What we're doing is we're getting our mind off of Jesus. Amen? And so if we will keep our mind stayed on God, he'll keep us in perfect peace. This word stayed, it, 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 one of the definitions is relentlessly attached. Relentlessly attached. When was the last time you could think about the way that you keep your mind on God and say, I relentlessly attach my mind on him? Because all of us, we have those moments, right? where we let ourselves go, let ourselves get off and think the worst. We let ourselves, you know, go through all the circumstances and all of this, but look, every circumstance you go through in life, God will be there with you. And no matter what the circumstance is, you may, you may have to experience things you wouldn't hope on anybody else. You might have to, but God won't leave you. God will sustain you. God will give you the strength to get through it. God will give you peace in the middle of chaos. God and God alone is the one who will hold you up when everything else is falling down. God will give you a strength that nobody else has ever seen before. God will give you the ability to stand when all you want to do is fall if you'll simply keep your mind stayed on God. This word perfect peace, this is, it, like I said earlier about peace, but this is a peace that is unlike the world has ever known. 
perfect peace is when all the circumstances of life are swirling around and everybody thinks I should be giving up, you know, I should be running around, you know, frantic, I should be falling to pieces. God's perfect peace calms my soul in my circumstance. God's perfect peace not only calms my soul, but it holds my soul in tragedy. God's perfect peace holds my soul in tragedy. You see, when we face hardships and we endure afflictions, God's perfect peace is available for us all. Amen? If we'll simply keep our minds stayed on him. Keeping our minds stayed on him is, there, there's, two, there's two different ways you can, you can go on that. Number one is our minds will often get on our circumstances. When your circumstances begin to change, the, the, the most people, the most common response to circumstances changing is you thinking on the circumstances. And if you allow yourself to get into that spot, your peace will soon vanish. You will soon begin to have no peace over the situation because you began to put your mind on the situation. Amen? The only way that you're ever going to get through the situation with the peace of God is to take your mind off the situation and put it on God. Keep your eyes on God. Amen? If you keep your eyes on, I don't have this, I should have had that, why didn't I do this, why didn't you do that? If you keep your mind on those kinds of things, your peace will, will be fleeting from you. You won't have any peace, and you'll be just like the world. You'll be seeking it in everything else under the sun. Peace comes from God. Peace comes from God, and he affords it to the believer. He affords it to the believer, to those that call on him, those who keep their mind stayed on him. Your mind, your mind, it, it, it will often try to run in a thousand different directions at one time. A lot of times our mind will, will begin, will be thinking on this and how we should be doing that and, well, why don't they have to go through this? Why am I the only one that's having to do this? Nobody else has to face what I'm facing. If you allow yourself to go down that road, your peace will be fleeting. Keep your mind stayed on God. Amen? Keep your mind stayed on God. If you compare yourself to other people, you'll always, always, always have anxiety in your soul because you'll never compare to other people. Everybody else will either be better or worse. You're, you have never called to, to live a life of comparison. Why aren't they having to do this? Why am I the only one doing that? You remember Mary and Martha we talked about a few weeks ago? Mary and Martha. Martha was cumbered about by all the stuff going on in the house. And she, she asked Jesus, you know, why isn't Mary having to do all this stuff? Mary was busy at the feet of Jesus. Mary was doing what was most important, what was most needful. Martha was worried about the dishes, sweeping the floor. Somebody tracked in mud. Who else is going to come? Do I got to prepare any more food? And the whole time she was going down this whole thing, she had no peace, none. And yet Mary, Mary is sitting at the feet of the Lord, and she's worshiping the Lord. She's hearing what he's saying, and she, everything's going to take care of itself. I'm focused on God, and she was in peace. Amen? And a lot of times in our own lives, we're either Mary or Martha. We're either Mary or Martha. Uh, if, if we're Mary, everything's great, and people are looking at you, and they're thinking, how are you still going on? Everybody else is thinking, you know, I couldn't go through what you're going through and make it. And, and when people say that, I say, I couldn't either. But I'm not doing it. I'm just focusing on God. Amen? If we'll just focus on God, God will bring us through to the other side. It's the same thing as the disciples in the boat whenever Jesus was sleeping and the storm came, the wind began to rage and the rain began to fall down and they thought they were going to drown. Circumstance was looking bleak. 
Their problem was they stopped realizing that Jesus was in the boat and they started worrying about the circumstances. And the, how many of you know what it's like to let yourself get on the circumstances? The more you think about it, the worse it gets. It's raining. Oh, wait, if it keeps raining, then the boat's going to fill. And if the boat fills up, then it's going to, and then if the boat tips over, we're going to drown. We're all going to drown today. I mean, we allow ourselves to, if you, once you start taking your mind off of the Lord Jesus and you put your mind on circumstances, the bottom falls out real quick, right? Doesn't matter how much money you got in the bank. If you put your mind on your money, you're never going to think you have enough. Amen? But if you're like the, the widow with the two mites, it don't matter if you don't have nothing. If you're just trusting God, you've got everything. It comes down to what you put your mind on. And Jesus says here in this passage that if we will keep our mind stayed on him, he will keep us in perfect peace. Perfect peace. Perfect peace. So um, keeping a mind stayed on God is, is not moving off of God. Not moving off of God. Not allowing ourselves to be caught up in what everybody else is caught up in. Amen? Not allowing ourselves to, 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 you know, dwell on the ifs, ands, or buts. The ifs, ands, or buts are the circumstances. If you would have done that, but I want to do this, right? The if, ands, or buts are the circumstances. These are the things that, you know, we can't change. We can't change what somebody did yesterday. You can't even change how somebody treats you. But what you can do is keep your mind stayed on God. And his promise is sure. He'll keep you in perfect peace. This is not about you saying, ooh, I need peace, and grunting, you know, ah, I got to have peace. Ah, This is not it. This is you simply relinquishing every care to God. And keeping your mind stayed on him. Saying, you know what? I can't, I can't do that. I can't handle that. I can't do this. I've got to keep my mind stayed on God. What does it matter what somebody else thinks about me? What does God think about me? What does it matter if I make anybody else happy if I don't make God happy? You know, we should be doing what we do under the Lord. And we should be keeping our minds focused on the Lord. Stop trying to be a man pleaser. Stop trying to live like the Joneses. Stop trying to compare our lives to other people. And it doesn't matter what people think, say, or anything else. The only thing that should matter to us is whether we're keeping our mind stayed on God. That should be the most important thing. If we live to please man, guess what? You'll never please man. And if you, and, and you may not think about it like this, but if you live to please yourself, you're a person too. You're mankind too. We always think about it as trying to please somebody else. But if you live to try to please yourself, you'll never satisfy yourself. You can't live to your own dictates, to your own whims, to your own heart's desires. You've got to relinquish those things and focus on God. And if you'll do that, God will give you the desires of your heart, according to Psalm 34. Now watch this. Let's turn over to Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. And over here, Philippians, a lot of passages in Philippians deal with joy. The Bible tells us, Philippians chapter four, the Bible tells us that in the presence of the Lord, is fullness of joy. So joy doesn't come through any other means. Joy doesn't come through our circumstances changing. There's a theme that's running through this message. You're either going to be focused on circumstances or God. You can't do both. You can't do both. How many of you are facing circumstances today? that aren't too pleasant. Everybody's facing some kind of circumstance that we would like to change. 
But if we focus on the circumstance, it will overwhelm us. It will overwhelm us. But God has a better way. See, joy doesn't come through circumstances. Our circumstances could be really good and we could have no joy. Some of the most unhappy people in life are those who have all of the world's goods. You could have the best circumstances of life but still have no joy. But conversely, your circumstances could be to the point where nobody would envy you. You could be like Job. How many of you felt like that before? Where, you know, the bottom fell out for Job. And sometimes we feel like that. We feel like, what else is going to go wrong? But yet, if we keep our minds stayed on God, we're kept in perfect peace. And even in the valley, even when everything's gone wrong and the circumstances, we wouldn't wish on anyone else, God still gives us joy through those circumstances. There's times in our lives where we, in, we have to endure hardships we would not wish on anyone else. Lord, please don't let anybody else have to feel like this or go through this. But even in those times, God will bring joy to the soul and peace. Look what it says in verse number four. It says, rejoice in the Lord what? Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. You see, our joy comes not from our circumstances. You should underline this part. It does not say rejoice when your circumstances go your way. Rejoice when everything turns around. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say rejoice when you finally get the job. Rejoice when you get the promotion. Rejoice when you finally get married. Rejoice when you get a child. Rejoice when you get this. It doesn't say that. It does not say rejoice when your circumstances change. Well, it's just hard. I'm just this and I, well, I just did. Well, you know, if we all got a piece of paper and we wrote all of our, well, it's just this, we could, we could fill up the dump with it, right? <laughs> we could all go down the list of stuff. We all have issues. We all have circumstances. But the Bible does not say rejoice when the circumstances are great. Amen. It doesn't say rejoice when everything's turned around. Rejoice when you get the good word from the doctor. It doesn't say that. Although we would. It says rejoice in the Lord always. In all times. In all seasons. What would I have to rejoice about when my world has been turned upside down oh i don't know maybe that this life is about this long it's fleeting it's almost over in just a few more days we're going to be in glory how about that what do i have to take joy over oh how about the fact that jesus bought your soul with the precious blood of the lamb amen how about the fact that he purchased your salvation on the cross? It didn't cost you nothing. Amen. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the shame. Despised the cross. And he purchased your soul. How about the fact that Jesus made a way for you to go to heaven, not for a year, not for a day, not so you can write a book. He, he went to the cross and he made a way so you can go to heaven for eternity. So yeah, my circumstances may not be the way I want them to be now, oh, but wait till I get to the other side. Wait till I get to the other side when there will be no sickness, there will be no sorrow, there will be no tears, there will be no parting there. Amen? Amen. I love what uh, I said, you know, 
a few weeks ago, Charles Spurgeon, he wrote that he believed in our resurrected body, the tear gland will be not there. The tear duct. Because we will have no need of tears when we're in heaven. How beautiful and how glorious will it be? Beyond description. Beyond description. The beauty of the Lord surpasses the words we could ever understand. That's why, you know, at the end of the book of John, he said, you know, Jesus did more stuff than we could ever write. He's more beautiful than you'll ever know. But what they're writing, they're writing so that your joy will be full. That's what he said in 1 John. And so what we see here in this passage is that we are not called to rejoice because our circumstances are favorable, but despite our circumstances. This is a choice that we all make. We all choose to either waller in them, complain about them, wish them that they were different, but God calls us to rejoice in the Lord through them. If you can learn to rejoice in the Lord through your circumstances, you'll find what God's talking about is perfect peace. Amen? So rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. A believer should have joy in their soul. A believer should have joy in their soul. Things may not go the way we want them to go, Life may be turned upside down and we may be heartbroken as all get out. We could be as torn down as, as anybody else ever has been, but there's still somehow, some way, there's joy in the soul. You know, it's like it says in 1 Corinthians, O death, where is thy sting? We may lose loved ones, but we haven't lost them forever. Amen? It's like it says in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, we sorrow, but not as the world sorrows. Amen? Because we have hope of eternal life. We have hope of the other side, whereas the world has not that hope. God can give you a joy that passes. Amen? What this world can understand. Look what it says here. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. This word moderation means your contentment. Let your contentment be made known unto all men. This means that, you know, you're not frantic like everybody else. When everybody else is saying, did you see who got elected? Did you see who won this? Did you see the law that they passed? Did you see this? Did you see that? Let your moderation be made known unto all men. That means it simply means your contentment. That means you're saying, Well, God still reigns. God's still on the throne. God's still in control. Amen. Amen. Your moderation means your contentment. This world, this world needs believers to bring the light to this dark world. This world is going crazy right now. This world is going crazy. A lot of people believe, you know, that the return of the Lord is very soon, and it looks like it, sh it sure is. Amen. looks like it sure is. If there was ever a time when the church needed to stand up and be the church, it's today. Amen. It's today. Let, let the world know your moderation. Let the world know it's okay if things aren't the way. You, it's okay if your guy didn't get elected. It's okay. God's still on the throne. It's okay if they pass a law you don't like. It's okay. God is still on the throne. When, when believers were getting thrown into dens of lions and getting put in coliseums and being martyred, this is when Paul wrote this. He didn't say, riot against the system. He didn't say, take it to the streets. Make some signs and go protest your government. He didn't say that. He said, let your moderation be made known unto all men. You want to know how to have peace? It doesn't come through marching. It doesn't come through protest. It don't come through stomping your feet. It don't come through, you know, saying somebody offended you. None of that stuff ever brought a lick of peace to nobody. 
The only way you're ever going to experience peace is doing things God's way, not focusing on circumstances, but focusing on God. You want to do things the world's way, you'll get the world's prize. You want to do things God's way, you'll find peace. Amen? So he says, let your moderation be made known unto all men. It's kind of the opposite of how people are today. Everybody today wants their opinion known unto all men. Well, you offended me. Well, I didn't ask. Well, that offends me. I still didn't ask. Everybody wants everybody to know their opinion on how they feel. This is one of the plagues of social media. But what we see is the world is supposed to know our moderation, that we're okay. As long as we've got God, we're okay. You could find yourself alone in a cave. As long as you've got God, you're going to be okay. If you've got God, you're going to be okay. If you don't have God, it doesn't matter what the world gives you. You're not going to be okay. But if the world takes everything from you, but you still have God, you've got everything. You've got everything. Let your moderation be made known unto all men. Let them know. It's okay. Look at verse number six. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Be careful for nothing. This is anxiety. This is anxiety. This is worry. Worry. Have you ever worried a problem solved? Be anxious. Be careful for nothing. This is speaking of worry, doubt, anxiety, fear. You know, most of the time, we allow our minds to think the worst. That's the enemy. When God's called us to hope for the best. If you don't think so, read 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Love hopes all things. Its hopes are fadeless. God's love in you will always hope for the best in every situation, in every circumstance. At every turn, God's love in you is always hopeful. Opposite of the world. Be careful for nothing. This is, like I said, this is anxiety. This is believing the circumstances are going to be the worst. Careful for nothing. If you're focused on circumstances, guess what? You're going to be careful or anxious about everything. If you're focused on the circumstances, you will always have anxiety and worry in your soul. The circumstance, you know why you will always have anxiety and worry if you focus on the circumstances? Think about an ocean. You see the waves? They go up and down. They're constantly moving. Circumstances are constantly changing. And if you focus on them and they're constantly changing, guess what you're going to be doing? Constantly changing. Every time somebody likes you, the world's great. And then when they don't like you, oh, the world's horrible. See, you know, it's like kids in school. I remember some kids used to do that kind of stuff. Nobody said hi to me today. Nobody liked my shirt today. Nobody asked me to go eat with them. And they would go up one day and down the next. If somebody said, you know, they liked them, they would be on cloud nine, and they didn't, they were down here. Circumstances always change. And if you put your heart or your mind on those things, just like the ocean goes up and down, tossed and it moves this way, moves that way, you will be doing the same thing. But you see, it's different with God because God never changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's eternally the same. He's the rock of ages. He's a refuge from the storm. He never changes. He changes not. And so if we fix ourselves on God, guess what? Circumstances change, but we don't. Circumstances change, but we don't. 
So it says, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Not even if I'm going to be able to pay Swebco this month. Be careful for nothing. Not even where I'm going to live. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Everything by prayer. Not just the big things. Everything by prayer. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. See, this is the key. How much, when was the last time you prayed over everything with thanksgiving in your heart? And you wonder why you don't have peace. You see, with God, it's not rocket science. It's just simply that our flesh don't want to do it. It's not rocket science. Who did Jesus use? Who was his disciples? Fishermen? Right? He didn't use rocket scientists. They didn't have PhDs behind their name. People may think that you need a PhD today, but Peter and James and John didn't have that. In fact, when Peter and John, whenever they were brought before the Pharisees, they said, you know, these are ignorant and unlearned men, but we perceive they've been with Jesus. Which one's more important, PhD or people knowing you've been with Jesus? Come on now. Come on now. Let's get real. Let's get real. When the bottom falls out of your life, knowledge, PhD, that's not going to help you. But knowing Jesus, that will help you. So he says, he says here, be careful for nothing but in everything with prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. That means a thankful heart, being thankful in all things. What do I have to be thankful about when the bottom falls out? my salvation you know one of the uh, psalms 51 whenever david this is after david sinned with bathsheba and he repented he said create in me a clean heart right one of the things he said was restore to me the joy of what my salvation restore to me the joy of my salvation Everything else may be going wrong. I may spend the rest of my life in prison. My family might be taken away from me, but my salvation can never be taken away from me. I can rejoice in God because he saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now I see. And no matter what I have to go through, I've always got that. I can always, with thanksgiving, give God the glory because he saved a worm like me. He saved a wretch like us. And so everything else may not go the way I want it to go, but that did. That was awesome. And I can, I can with David, say, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. You know, it's, an, it's a sad reality when somebody first gets saved, they get on fire for God and everybody tells them, tone it down. One of the first reactions of a church is, oh, just give them a few months. Just give them a few months. When, when we should be praying, Lord, restore to me that joy. Restore to me that joy. You see, what happens is they're focused on God and they've got the joy of their salvation and we don't anymore. Everybody's complaining about this, complaining about the weather, complaining about the temperature, complaining about this, complaining about that. The music's to this, the words are to that, the, this is this, and I don't like this, but when you first get saved, you don't care about none of that stuff. You've just got joy, beyond measure because God saved somebody like you and you didn't think you could ever be saved because of what you did. You didn't think God could save folks like you and then you heard the gospel and you realized that Jesus died for people just like us because we're all broken people. We've all messed up. We've all come short of the glory of God. Amen? But Calvary is the great equalizer. Amen? Everybody's got to go to Calvary on their knees and surrender all and receive what he did for them. Amen? And on that 
time, that's when joy is restored to your soul. If you don't have joy this morning, when was the last time you asked God to restore the joy of your salvation? If you don't have joy, if, if, if today people look at you and they're not saying, why are you smiling? What's wrong? Because we're focused on our circumstances. We're focused on our circumstances. Amen? Sometimes you walk in some churches, not this church. Sometimes you walk in some churches and it looks like, you know, it, 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 it looks like the world is gone, hope is all lost, and if you say the wrong thing, they're going to bop you on the head. Some, some people look like, you know, you stole their last piece of bubble gum. Amen? Some churches you walk in and people are all stuck up, you know. If it rains, they're going to drown because it goes in their nose. Some people's nose is that high in the air. But other places you go in and they're so somber, so, you know, mad at the world looking. When, you know what, we should have joy beyond measure because God saved wretches like us. Amen. We should be shouting for glory. Amen. Nobody should be able to wipe the smile off of our face. Even when our circumstances are bad, our soul is secure. Amen? We can't change our circumstances, but we can change what we put our mind on. You, we, we, we all in this room, it, it, we all have an opportunity to allow our minds to go down the road of circumstance. And if you allow your mind to go down the road of circumstance, you're going to find this. You're going to find this. You're going down there, and you're going on your own. What you will find if you, listen to this, if you allow yourself to go down the road of being fixed on circumstances, you're not going to have the joy of the Lord, but what you're going to have is a semblance of religion. Religion, Sunday religion. You know what a Sunday smile is? It's when you're mad at the world, but you smile for Sunday, right? I used to, used to, you know, have that experience myself. We would be having chaos at home. Chaos. I mean chaos. But when we pulled up in the church parking lot, everybody better smile, dry it up, put on, you know, act right, act like you're, act like you're happy. Come on, act like you're happy. You go from screaming at everybody, you walk in the church, and they say, how are you doing? I am so blessed. God has been so good to me. We are doing wonderful. When in all reality, it wasn't that way, right? That's called religion. That's the mask of religion, okay? And I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. Religion without Jesus, religion without Jesus, all it is it just is decorating with flowers the road to hell. You're fooling everybody else, but not God and not yourself. Religion without Jesus, all it does is put flowers on the path to hell. See, God has a better plan for our lives. God has a better plan for our lives. God's plan is to restore joy into the soul. That's when you know Jesus is on the scene. Amen? When our circumstances are horrible, but we know we've been bought with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, our soul has been paid for, our sins have been forgiven as far as the east is from the west. Amen? They are gone, gone, gone. God has redeemed us with the blood of Jesus Christ. Though our sins were as scarlet, God makes them white as snow when they've been washed in the blood. And so what you see here in this passage, he says that by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So if you're not praying about it and you're not thankful about it, you've already missed out on the major step. Let your request be made known unto God. And look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. And the peace of the world. 
which comes and goes. No, and that's not what it says. It says in this next verse, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God is described in this verse as passing all understanding. In other words, God will bring you peace when it don't make no sense. God will give you peace when the bottom's done fall out. And it don't make sense for somebody like you that's going through something like you're going through to have the peace of God. Amen. And all you can say is, but Jesus. Because my mind's not on that. My mind's on him. If I keep my mind on him, there is a peace that passes all understanding that God gives. The peace of God. The peace of the world comes when circumstances are the way I want them to be. The bad news is they'll change tomorrow. The peace of God, on the other hand, is in spite of the circumstances. No matter whether the circumstances are good or bad, God never changes and his peace comes and it passes all understanding. Makes no sense for somebody to lose everything but have joy in their soul. Makes no sense. Only the hand of God can do this. Amen?